Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Hotline League. We are diving into free agency as we're a week out from it being wrapped. It's a bit of a quieter week here on Hotline, uh, but it's going to be a really interesting week because oftentimes the weeks where we don't have to discuss the latest boring drama, who said what, why are NA pros terrible, blah, blah. Results. You know, who wants to talk about results of of a match or series? Yeah. These are these are actually the best episodes, in my opinion, um, where we just get to do some broader topics. And the broader topic this week is going to be how did free agency go? How's it different? What's going on? We've got a great guest to talk about that. But first, let me introduce our constant, my constant co-host, Mark Zimmerman. How's it going, our, Mark? Ours fine. I'm sure that you're trying to include the, the audience in this. Uh, it's going good. I am had a great uh thanksgiving visited ashley's family came home and today for the first time in years i called kaiser permanente and i said you know what i should go see a doctor oh been years wait how many years big big moment years i don't know maybe four five why was there now is there a specific reason why you felt like this was important to do I've been, I was supposed to do it at the start of the year. I told, I said, you know, Ashley wanted me to do it. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then I didn't do it. And now it's like, the, this is maybe the deadest week I'm looking at. And I should really do it. So, so when are you, when, uh, when are you going? And this is December just a physical, 13th. right? Yeah, it's just a physical. But I need, the real reason is I want to go see a dermatologist. I got a lot of moles on me, you know? Yeah. I feel like I definitely have melanoma. Yeah. When I, I look at you when we're out in the sun, I worry a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I got to go get checked. So I, before I, this is, it's been so, this is how bad it is. Like, I don't know if I've seen a doctor since my parents' healthcare lapsed, even though I enrolled, you know, like, I just don't think I saw anyone. So yeah. this, like, they had no information on me. And so I was like, hey, I need to go see a dermatologist. And they're like, great, you need a referral from your primary care physician. And they're like, oh, you've never seen one, despite being enrolled with us for Three or four, four years or something, whatever it is, five I years. I think probably now. more than that. I, like, I bet oh, you shit. your healthcare lapsed at like twenty six. Yeah, yeah. I, I ran out of my parents' one. I think I missed the first. I missed the special enrollment period and the first open enrollment period. I paid the Obama tax. You didn't have twice, health insurance for a while. Yeah, of course not. I'm spry. I'm healthy. You're such a fucking mess. Okay. I've only had a collapsed lung for a little I, bit. I you know, like, there's probably no. In- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I had to you know talk to the. High Kaiser Permanente people for a while, giving them all my rundown on my history, so I can get a my first visit with a primary care physician to then get a referral to the dermatologist. So yeah, well, living my best life in the American healthcare system. Anyway, shout out to Alien Martin Grub Hub for sponsoring the show. <laughs> I don't know how to segue out of what just happened there, but we'll talk more about them later. Our special guest tonight is none other than Andrew Barton, who's the actually you're not the GM. What are you these days officially? Yeah, so my official title is Director of Athletics, and so I am running Rocket League, Valorant, Dota 2, and League of Legends, but essentially it's a very similar role to a general manager and in charge of all of our competitive rosters related to those titles. So I will jump back and forth in between League, Dota, Rocket League, Valorant, all our titles throughout the year, so in charge of them all. Well, fantastic. I'm glad to have you on the show. I mean, the big thing is you are integral to uh, the off-season for LCS, yes? Yeah, correct. So I pretty much run point on that entirely when, you know, 
summer ends, we're immediately looking at off-season. Um, so we've been working at it since September, even though we were in Worlds and whatnot. We're always working at it the second the season ends. Yeah. it's always. I always feel like it's got to be kind of weird where you're like watching, because this happens oftentimes. Like I start to hear rumors, not necessarily with EG, but with other teams where they're at Worlds, and you start to hear like, oh, maybe they're going to pick up this person. Oh, this... and. It, it's just kind of a strange situation, but I guess that's just the way it works, right? Yeah, and I think you have to because the teams who are not at Worlds are already making moves and having those conversations. And so if you're not there, you're really just getting left behind. So I would not be doing my job properly if I was not in that room having that same conversation. You just It's part of the process. Well, I'm glad, uh, glad to have you on the show. Uh, anyway, Mark... Anything else that's been going on with you lately before we get into uh, kind of the broader topics? Um, in terms of media, I, I got swamped for a while. There's a lot of good stuff. I never finished the Midnight Club. I was working on 1899. I still need to finish that. Uh, White Lotus, uh, New Survivor. There's just there's a lot of good shit going on right now. It's tough to, to keep track of everything I've, I've, I've watched in recent days. Well, I finished Rings of Power. And my suggestion is, because I want to talk to you about it, because you have talked a lot about it, and uh, my suggestion is that after the show is done, we talk about it for five minutes uh, whenever I'm Bro, not Bro, there's no way that conversation only lasts five minutes, and you know that. I, I, that I'm, like a, I'm happy to have it in five minutes. I feel like you're going to need more time. I mean, you're going to be like, I liked it. Could have been better, but I liked it. And that's all you're going to say. No critical eye. No, I'm happy to have... Let, let's try for five minutes, and we'll see how it goes, okay? All right, we'll try, but we... All right. <laughs> okay, okay. Anyway, <laughs> what has happened in League of Legends for the past week? Basically nothing, right? Uh, you guys announced... Have you announced threads. your full lineup, Andrew? We uh, we have not announced the full lineup, um, but LCS is known. Uh, we have not announced Academy yet, so that's unknown. Um, it's known to me, but... It's not in the public, so that's all we've now. done on each end. I, I can't leak it yet, or I would, um, but I do need to wait probably two days. I mean, if you announce it here, it'll probably get more attention than it will anywhere else. So um, That is true, but I thought you weren't big into Academy, so I thought... That's, that's my whole focus. point. Um, <laughs> and now I you understand like why. If, if a source suddenly whispered in Travis's ears, and he, he could leak it, but it would be anonymous. No, then. no, 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 no. Um, in a Skype message. But... <laughs> Yeah, the Skype, the group Skype message with Mark. <laughs> um, okay, but you announced that. Also, Kelsey got announced, I think, too. Um, maybe last week, if I recall. Yeah, so we announced Kelsey as our head of coaching staff, and then we also announced Freeze, who's joining on as the head coach. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's super cool. Um, so and, and so Freeze will be reporting to Kelsey? Correct. Freeze will be reporting to Kelsey, and then Kelsey reports into myself. Yeah. I think what's so Who fun... Who you report to? Uh, I report into Lindsay uh, Migliori, so she is our director of performance here at EG. Gamer Doc. Yep. Oh, right. And then who I've does never heard. who does Gamer Doc report into? She reports into Nicole. Okay. And who does Nicole, Nicole report, report into? Him? Those those would be the investors. So okay. those are the guys with lots of money. Good. I'm glad we've got the whole <laughs> string going. What? Okay. The, the investors we, we don't talked report about the anyone? org chart. They report into God. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so. So we've got that going. Uh, we Kelsey got announced. Uh, Freeze got announced. I think what's funny is if you went back into like what 2015, 2016, and you're like, okay, evil geniuses will one day be back in the LCS, 
and Kelsey Moser will be running the coaching staff, and Freeze will be the head coach. It's just very funny to see where everybody ends up after all these years. So, yeah. You um, could have even added that EG would have won an LCS championship, and I think people would have been surprised as well. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, in 2015, 2016, LCS had only been around for like a couple of years, so it maybe wouldn't have been sure. that crazy. But, yeah. Uh, okay, so we what else to got announced? We had 100 Thieves announce the departure of almost their entire fucking team. Uh, we have a bunch of sort of double reports or double confirmation, whatever you want to say on... Um, all the different teams. So supposedly Prince is coming over and uh, Summit stuff happening. All this stuff. Like a lot of things that aren't official There's official have been sort of reported so widely that it feels pretty comfortable to talk about it. Um, There's been some more Doinby leaks, of course. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then I think, is there anything else Twitch chat? Oh, Whippo to TL content creator, which I feel really good about because I just fucking predicted that. Without nobody had even said it, I was just like, "This makes the most sense." I know he likes TL. I know Steve likes him. He likes to do content. He doesn't seem to be going anywhere else. I bet you anything, this is what happens. And then I, I was right. Um, what else? I think that's it. Oh, uh, Nuggery retired. Uh, Summit said one thing about LS that like was almost n- non-existent, and it managed to be a whole thread. Yes. Well, it's been a slow news week. Uh, yeah. And then also we had. The, it's it hasn't it been leaked what the TL's or sorry TSM's academy thing is. Oh yeah, EV. Oh, people yeah. were mad about that. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's why I think it's interesting. EV e, LCS EV reported the 2023 TSM academy rosters: Hansers, Fenskaren, Triple, Wild Turtle, and Dragku. And a lot of people got upset, especially about the Hansers, Fenskaren, Wild Turtle aspect of it. So, um, there we go. Uh, let's see. I think that's mostly it. If Twitch chat has anything that I'm forgetting. No, they're talking about a bunch of random stuff. Okay. So I think we can, here's how the show will go. Uh, it might be a shorter episode today unless we feel like we're getting really great takes. So it's all on you callers. If you want to make sure that we get a full two hours, you need to make sure that you're giving us great takes. Uh, we don't need to talk exclusively about free agency if people want to talk about other things too. Was that your question mark? No, I was going to say also, if you're listening on YouTube tomorrow and you see this is like an hour and 20 minute episode, it's your fault too for not being here live and bringing your own questions. We got we to gotta shame our entire audience, not just the live ones. And, and when Mark says questions, that's a good point because I think normally we do takes. Still want to yeah. do a bunch of takes today, but if... Oh, I need to move the sub thing from Andy's face. Okay. But if you have questions for Mr. Barton here about leading the efforts in the free agency period, the off-season stuff, or if you have general questions about how this stuff works, um, I think this is a great time to kind of get some of those questions in. So feel free to show up with some questions. Uh, one thing that I want to make clear uh, based off of – so we had we had Mr. Barton here on uh, Live Hotline League during Worlds. We had somebody come up and just flame the <laughs> EG content team for 15 minutes straight, uh, we can't. Uh, he does not have any involvement with the content or marketing team, so you'll have to save that for another time. Also, I just noticed that we need to, Numi, if you're in the chat, we need to update the Grubhub code. It is not TG off season, it's TG free agency, which I, again, I love that they're coming up with these codes. Um, so I'll just put that in chat and then we can get that updated if 
so right. since you brought up content, there's actually the first person I pulled is about content. So this is perfect. Okay. Excellent. Um, I, again, we can't. We can't. Okay. Well, off he goes. Um, <laughs> so first off, thank you to some subs. We have. Okay. Sorry, I still have a little bit of a cough. Uh, Nucle, RSG, Aerohydrus, The Waffle Foot, uh, Gengarifith, Jason Creek, Xander Gage, and Suburban Marty. Thank you, Suburban Marty, for the prime. We'll read off some more subs here in a second. But we got Ventus official here. Ventus, where are you calling from? Uh, the DC area. The DC area. And you're going to flame EG content? Uh, sort of. Nice. Okay. okay, again, Andrew Barton does not work on the marketing, like, team ops, competitive operations. But, but could he not raise the priority and clear out some scrim and practice time for more content time? Also, could I'm not... Oh, sorry. Could do that, maybe. Maybe the public would enjoy us focus on content rather than world's results. Let's We can think about that. Well, how much did focusing on world's results do this year? True. Got you out of plans, I guess. Out of the take. Got you out of plans. Um, Okay, so Ventus, what do you want to what do you want to talk about? Okay, so my loaded question for Andy is: Why does it feel like esports teams don't give a fuck about content? And uh, I just I want to say, like, as a fan, especially since franchising started, um, it it's feels borderline insulting to be like a fan of certain teams. We're literally just running it back with the same experience that he had at uh, the live show. Mr. Zimmerman. Okay, whatever. Continue I, do, on. Do you want me to be honest? I have no fuck. I can't remember those, those shows for the life of me. You don't remember? We had during all of them. We had, we had Andy on, on the first episode where we were like, where we had the CLG stuff on happening. And then somebody came on and like flamed, uh, the EG mark content and marketing oh, stuff, and now it's happening okay. as his first call. All right. Well, I will say to EG's credit, uh, they have a channel called the Creative Collective, I believe, and that's actually really good. Um, so shout out to that channel, but nobody knows about it, which is a problem in itself. Um, but it's not just an EG problem. I would say most of the league, except for maybe two or three teams fall into fall into this and so i'm really wondering like what what is it about content that teams just don't want to prioritize at all especially considering i feel like it adds a lot of marketability to players brands and even if you want to like flip players for other players in the future wouldn't you get value by upping their brand value so uh yeah, here let, and let me let me recontextualize <clears throat> at least for the beginning of this too. <clears throat> Sorry. There is a a I've heard so I've complained a lot recently Andy about uh, privately and publicly about the lack of content from teams. And something I've heard from a lot of team people is players don't want to do content anymore. I can't get them to do content. Blah blah blah. So Rather than sort of making it as much about the marketing side, which we can still talk about, I also kind of want to get your perspective as somebody who's on the player and on the team side to kind of get insight into how that balance works between, as you said before, like focusing on world's results, focusing on content, not to say I feel like it's a bit of a false dichotomy, 
Um, but yeah, I'm kind of curious, you know, where how you how you approach that stuff, and if you feel like you see a lot of you know back and forth on all that. So I think really when this trend kind of started to become more talked about was really at the beginning of 2020 when COVID became a thing. Um, and so, you know, for us at EG, we were on lockdown all 2020, even all 2021. And so we could not perform a single bit of content. Um, and it really wasn't until actually 2022 where we kind of opened that back up to starting to do content. So you basically had two years where players, you know, got to live a great life with no content, just practice, do everything. Um, and I think, you know, I don't want to say we have forgotten that it's sport entertainment and content is a part of this job. But I do think like the last two years with COVID and not having to perform a lot of those deliverables played a big factor. And so, you know, for us this year, we, we started the EG files, which, you know, we had weekly filming every week. All of the players knew about it. And, you know, at first a little resistant to it, but by the end, we were actually having a lot of fun and it just became part of the routine. And so I think for most teams, it's going to be about getting back to that set routine of content. Because again, those last two years during COVID, I mean, we can look back, I think almost no teams did content. And from that point on, you know, players became much more resistant to content. And we kind of have to push them back in that direction, remind them that, you know, hey, this salary is not just for paying, you know, for your competitive results. There's also a marketing component in this in order to build up the brands. Can uh, I interject a little bit? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go, you go first. Um, so I, I have a few things come to mind. First of all, I do think the EG players themselves are creating their own content with their Twitter videos a lot of the time. So I feel like they're already making content. And I think Revenge is a good example of this on Immortals, who's like very, he cares about his brand value. Um, and the other aspect is like what it, it's also i feel like there's a big difference between asking players to do content for a sponsored thing like hey we have to fill, fulfill this deliverable and like like what something they would actually want to make as like weird as that would sound but it's like what are what is jojo watching on youtube like he might not want to make a league video but maybe he is binging cooking channels and if you're like oh well would you want to do a cooking thing because you know that he that's what he wants to watch like, I feel like there are steps in between this. And then there's also like a logistical question of like, it's not just do play players want to make content because you're always going to have players who don't. But let's say you have a person on your league team who is super into fighting games and is down to do content and someone on your Valorant team who is down super into fighting games and down to do content and Project L drops. Is it even logistically possible to have those two people like compete, assuming that they want to are down for content to do like, oh, EG versus like EG Valorant versus EG uh, League in Project L? Like logistically, is that possible? Not even like assuming the players are down for it. So for that specific example, that will be possible by EG because we'll have um, we're going to be moving offices in about two weeks um, because we're having Valorant and League of Legends in the same office. Um, so that's underway and we'll be able to do stuff like that. But I actually think what a lot of the public kind of misses out on, I think you somewhat alluded to it, but it, it's the more organic content that a lot of teams are missing. And I really believe a function of that actually has to do with moving out of the team house. 
Um, and I think, you know, when you're in that team house, you know, you're, you're living life with your teammates 24 seven, and you can have a lot more of that natural chemistry, synergy, whatever we want to call it, all of that can happen. And you're able to take that in form and use it as content potentially. And I think, you know, most of the teams are now operating in this office and apartment lifestyle. And so you're actually missing out on probably where the meat of that content can actually happen probably happening after practice when many of the players have gone home. Um, so that's another factor I actually take into account. It, it's, you know, the lifestyle that we live now at the LCS. Okay. Does that I just say, uh, answer your question, Ventus? Yeah, um, but I'm still curious on what Mark has to say. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I feel like uh, the content question in the LCS has become more difficult to answer in, in recent years because I feel like the team docu-series thing just can't be, it's not sustainable really. And like the thing about a lot of content is uh, like how you pay for it. And at least like with serialized content and things that, you know, we're going to have like certain weekly releases or, you know, you're, you're getting sponsorships that might involve this kind of stuff. Like it kind of forces you into certain boxes. Um, but I'm not sure like, I'm not sure what the most successful like team content in recent years have been ever since like the docu-series explosion. Like probably the FlyQuest stuff, honestly. I was gonna say it's probably the FlyQuest stuff, but that kind of I don't want to say it was like it just wasn't really like repeatable in a sense. Like how many people have Takoy and Jose Diota that you can tap into? Um, you know, like I think they did some some good things, but other than them, I'm not quite sure what. I'm not 100% certain what kind of content LCS fans are most hungry for. And I know you've talked about some of these things and you might find those interesting, but I'm not sure they're going to hit a broad appeal. Um, and so I definitely think like the quiz type stuff is a good place to start. That seems to do well based off Travis's own content or like those kinds of things. Um, and I also feel like uh, I'm, I'm just like not quite sure where else it goes from there. Well, I think, you know, when we talk about content, there's like, the weekly serialized content, but then there's also content that you can make around specific situations. Like I know Spika did the funny thing where he was like choking Bjergsen and all that stuff uh, during that that time where there was con conversation about I don't know controversy or something around TSM and and so he kind of like made that joking thing where he was being a jerk to people. I think another yeah. thing that I've been thinking about recently is like, <clears throat> and I say this. Uh, again, just want to reiterate, Andrew Barton, not in charge of content or social stuff at EG, but I have been disappointed how about how many teams, including EG, have been announcing their roster changes with JPEGs on Twitter. Um, and I thought, and I think, you know, oftentimes what you hear from team folks is, oh, it's so expensive or the logistics of it are really difficult, et cetera, et cetera. And one thing I thought about is I bet you the most popular, at the very least, most memorable announcement video of all time was a single camera, poorly acted video of Peter in a trash can um, and uh, Bjergsen pulling him out of it to join the team. And like that was back when people didn't really have content budgets and everything was very scrappy and all that stuff. And I feel like those videos oftentimes do, like if... It's, it is more about like the goofiness or fun of the content than it is like the high production. 
And so I think there are ways to do, in my mind, almost anything is better than a JPEG. So I just, like, I, I feel like there's a lot of opportunities that teams are not pursuing that are logistically easy or lightweight or whatever. You just have to kind of have somebody who's down to try them. Well, and I think like that's exactly what I'm referencing when I talk about the organic content. It's, you know, having one camera and just kind of shooting that stuff really raw and seeing what you can pull from there. Because I think that's probably what the audience is looking for. You know, I think the high class, high production stuff is excellent. But at the end of the day, like so many memes and everything have originated just from that grassroots content stuff. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. uh, I, oh, go ahead. I, I will say, so I do have a little bit of experience with this, mainly in like the, the smash scene, but nothing more like individualized experience. So nothing like what you would, what any esports org would be doing with like entire teams. But in my experience, I feel like as like the marketer content role or guy or whatever, it's like you want to enable people to make content more so than you want necessarily to like force them into doing content that feels like it's conflicting with like their actual goals in the game or goals with what they're trying to pursue. But I think that if you actually talk with people as or two players individually, there's always a line of like, oh, okay, I would be willing to do this. And this is actually be like really cool to me. Um, so I don't actually think there's like, super serialized series necessary that would be like the future meta of esports content i feel like it would be really tailored to whatever the players themselves are like or would want to make or feels fulfilling to them and i also think that's like going to also add the most to their brand value um that just in my experience i don't know how to do it with like or how it works with an entire team of people, but that's that is just my opinion on the situation, I guess. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ventus, for the call. Anything you want to shout out before we go on to the next caller? Alienware, Grubhub, turn down for Walt on YouTube, and the small victory project on TikTok. Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll catch you later. Thank you. All right. Uh, we're off to the next caller. Thank you to T-Bone, Sandy Toes, Flick Nickum, Dana Roach, Laser Fruit, and Perchy99 for the subs. We've got Mark grabbing the next caller. If you're just joining us, we have Andrew Barton, who leads competitive stuff on the as a GM role for multiple teams at EG, including the League of Legends side. And so he's chatting with us about free agency stuff and apparently also content. Sandy Toes is here. Sandy, where are you calling from? Calling from Arlington, Virginia, also in the Washington, D.C. area. Okay. Also, wait, you, you have a very familiar voice. Are you somebody here incognito? Uh, no, but we did talk at a New York group stage. You interviewed me for uh, the NA's Out of Groups How Do You Feel video. Did you okay. To, uh, Twitter. Maybe that's what it is then. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, so my take, uh, so I am a huge FlyQuest fan, and I wanted to note that I think there's sentiment in the community that people think FlyQuest spent big this year. They really opened the wallets. Uh, in my opinion, the reality is that the LCS has actually achieved some small level of salary parity 
due to, and this is in part due to some of your reporting, salaries crashing hard this offseason. That's why FlyQuest can spend for a top three roster. And that's why a team like, as well, Dignitas can make the upgrades they got. You know, they got some really good players for, um, you know, for a team that people do not usually expect to be that huge. And that's why you've got, you know, six to seven teams that all have really, really, really good players on the roster. So overall salaries have dropped, causing payroll parity amongst organizations. And I think that just makes for a more exciting and competitive scene overall um, when you have seven or eight different organizations that can all spend similar amounts and all get high quality players instead of just two or three teams that spend millions and everyone else is kind of picking at the bottom of the barrel. Okay. First off, thank you for having this call because this was one of the things I was really hoping that uh, Andrew would feel comfortable talking about on this episode because we've kind of had, this is the, it's, there's this kind of weird dead zone where like games end, uh, worlds happens, et cetera, et cetera. Then no, nobody on the team side really talks publicly forever because they're like heads down secretly building all these rosters and stuff. All the rest of us are talking about all the work they're doing, but they can't say anything. So now that things are wrapped, I'm hopeful, Andrew, that you'll be down to kind of chat with us about, you know, what the behind the scenes looked like this year for free agency and the LCS in general, not just uh, with EG. And yes, how much of the sort of assumptions and rumors of us seeing very dramatic changes in salaries and all that stuff came through. Yeah, I think uh, this is a really interesting take, and I'm really excited the way you framed it because I think payroll parity is extremely important. Um, now, another factor of that was last year you saw many players not wanting to play for specific organizations, and I think a lot of that changed this offseason, and that led to a lot more payroll parity. Um, so I think that's really important. But going back to you know overall offseason, how it went, um, I thought this year was really interesting with EU moving at like a thousand miles per hour at the end of October. Um, and a lot of NA was, I, w I don't want to say doing much, but we couldn't do anything. Um, or at least, you know, personally, I felt a little paralyzed because you are being put on really interesting deadlines by European teams. And, you know, you're not sure what dominoes that's going to create in the U.S. here or what it's going to do in EU. Um, so I think, like, that's a big reason why we didn't see a lot of EU imports come to N.A. And it's because EU locked up all their stuff by early November. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Once Europe locked up, that's when North America could start moving because, you knew all the dominoes happened over there. So we can start our own. Um and then kind of just going back to payroll parity, like this is really important, I think, for the health of the league. You know, last year I felt like you had maybe four or five teams really competing for top three. And then, you know, the other teams were just like, okay, you know, wherever the results land, great. And so, you know, now that we're seeing more players spread to lower tier teams, you're seeing more parity in the league. And that's what I really want to see because I think that'll drive the overall health of the region. I know for you know us this last year, I know Peter's alluded to it many of times, but it, at times it was hard to improve because when you're stomping 80% of your scrims and not being challenged, that 
that creates real difficulty and wanting to improve your team. And so my big hope for, you know, this next year is we do see more parity. We see more competition because I think not only will that improve the health of the region, but it will also, you know, increase viewership, create more intriguing storylines. That way, you know, in summer, you know, it's not very obvious who's going to make it. I think, you know, if we go back, we kind of knew which four teams were going to make it. But, you know, for this next year, I really hope we see more parity now that, you know, you have Dignitas coming in with a really great roster. And so, you know, it's exciting to see new teams enter the mix. Do you think, so there's a bunch of things to dive in there. Is there a world where the payroll parity, and when we talk about like <clears throat> payroll parity, perhaps creating competitive parity or much greater uh, competitive parity than we've seen in the, the league previously, is any of that because not only did you have players go to Dignitas for maybe less money than they would have expected uh, before, but you also had the top end of teams start to pay less. Um, do you think, I mean, obviously Team Liquid, had, I mean, Team Liquid, I think publicly implied that they would be spending less this year. So how much of it do you think is like the bottom, you know, I don't know, having better players because they're willing to take less and how much of it was also the top teams spending less? It's a bit of both, but, you know, I would probably say the top teams are still spending. Um, and I, I don't think we should sit here and act like the top teams aren't spending as much. You know, I think TL went above and beyond last year, and we're probably not seeing something like that ever again. But it, it is very apparent to me that the top teams are still spending. And the bigger function is actually seeing these top-tier players now probably paying, playing for lower teams. And that's where I think we're actually seeing the, the biggest component to this parity question. Gotcha. And what do you think motivated that change for those pro players? If you had to speak, I'm sure each is like kind of a case by case basis. But do you think there was any like overarching reason that? Because it felt like for the last two ish years, pros had kind of been like, well, if I don't get the team I want, I'm sitting, and that's not the case anymore. I, I don't know the answer to that honestly, but I, I just you have to think it's not enjoyable sitting there on the sidelines. You know, you want to compete. <laughs> All of these guys are competitors, and they want to get out there. Like I can't imagine what you're doing. You know, if you're not playing, it felt like there was also willingness from a lot of the teams to not rush. Like because in the past, LCS has also gone maybe as fast as Europe did this past year, right? Especially certain teams. This year, it felt like a lot of teams were willing to just kind of like wait and see what ended up happening. Do you do you think that's a fair assessment? Because I think also whenever you don't have all, teams all rushing to try to lock somebody up really quick, then you're just also going to end up in a world where like, you know, players start to panic because they're not getting locked in super quick. They start to look for other options. They start to like take less money. You know, I, I feel like the the speed issue is also a factor. No, actually, I don't think speed was really affected by payroll or anything like that. I think for this year, there were specific dominoes um, in NA that kind of held things up from snowballing, more or less. Um, so I, I attribute a lot to the specific dominoes. Can you say what those dominoes were? Well, I would say Impact was probably the biggest one, which I think has been known and reported. So obviously, Impact had to take his time and you know figure out his decision. Um, but that was certainly the biggest one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mark, I don't know if you have anything else or, or if we want to throw back to the caller here. Um, you said that the teams are still spending. Maybe it's been overstated how much like salaries. I think there's been a lot of like the bubble has burst. People who got 700k are now getting 200k or something. You know, like sounds like you're pushing back against that a little bit. Um, but 
how do you feel like the has has the market like adjusted in any significant way or do you think it's actually not so different from previous years ago except for those couple outliers like tl betting the bank on making worlds or something no it's definitely gone down but i think we're normalizing a little bit more so um which is i think what we wanted to see happen whereas you know last year maybe we hit a plateau or the year before um and now we're more so normalizing and perhaps downward trending but it is not as if we've fallen off you know a cliff it's just not like that um so i think the narrative that the bubble is burst and all that really has to go away because you know these players everyone is being paid still very well have you have i think that's it. go ahead mark I was going to say my final point is I think it's good to note that because I, I just can't see a world like FlyQuest being built without still slinging some serious dough, no. like getting those players to, to sign for that org. Like, I, you know, the no LCK offense to FlyQuest, was, they're a great org, but. LCK was paying considerably. So, you know, it, it, I had many conversations with, you know, different folks outside in Korea and, you know, that region is paying. So. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I was about to ask before oh i i remember i've also heard rumors of teams pulling back on spending on support staff like obviously we focus a lot on players but have you heard much about teams pulling back on sort of auxiliary competitive staff i don't think i've heard that all that much um i know for you know speaking for eg for example we we definitely have a little bit um, but only because, you know, we were approaching about six to seven staff members last year and we wanted to bring it back to about, you know, three to four this year. Um, and so it was more so, you know, downscaling a little bit, but bringing it into a little more of a controllable um, staff to an extent. So I, I haven't really heard too much on teams downscaling, but it could be possible. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, Sandy Toast, does this answer most of your, your questions? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, the conversation was really good. I think uh, part of my take was that the and we don't we don't have to get into it, but I do feel like the LCS is more enjoyable when more teams are competitive. So if more teams are able to spend you know equal amounts to get good players, then that's good for the health of the league because it creates better conflict, it creates better storylines instead of just having three teams fighting for the title and seven just kind of being the uh like that simpsons meme with the monkeys fighting whatever and the other teams watching um you know it's a lot more exciting uh yep yep thank you so much sandy toes for the call and uh mm -hmm. any, anything you want to shout out uh i do uh speaking of FlyQuest, uh i and a couple other folks we do a FlyQuest centric uh fan podcast it's called flight check uh, we do it every Monday night, a couple hours before Hotline League. Uh, we're on Twitter, Flight Check Crew, so you can come check us out. Uh, Papa Smithy's usually active in our chat these days now that he's the GM. And uh, FlyQuest to Worlds 2023, let's go. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for the call, and we'll catch you next time. See ya. All right. Um, I do have one quick thing before I we do, I expect to sponsor it. Zextrap and Twitch Shep said, uh, can people throw out some general numbers? I'm a bit confused with people saying LCK is paying and NA orgs are still paying money and stuff like that. Um, what would be like a premium player salary-ish if you can give like a ballpark? Because I know for a while, million, under just under a million or something sounded like the a kind of going rate for like a, a really great import player or native uh, player. Like, is that... 
more still the case? Has that gone down a little bit? Like, well, I don't know how much you can speak to that. I think for any premium import player, you're probably playing, you know, a million to two million probably in this economy. In this economy. I love that. Uh, in this economy. Um, yeah, interesting. If we had got Faker over here, uh, how much do you think he would have had to be paid? Uh, if you remember hearing about us going for Chovy in 2019 or 2020, it's probably even higher than the Chovy numbers. So I would okay. take a look at that and maybe just go way higher. Okay, okay. Very good. <laughs> uh, Papa Smithy also dropping some helpful knowledge in chat. says, average player on a top five team in the LCK in 2022 was making around $1 million. So that's actually the LCK that, is paying. That's funny because I feel like, yeah, if the like that was not what I don't think the average player on a – LCS team, top five LCS team is making. I would, well, I'm trying to think how much, like, the high. Top four between TL, C9, maybe not C9, 100 Thieves, EG. I mean, Papa Smithy says it was not. So I think think the the average was probably closer to 700, I bet, on top five teams. And so it's interesting because LCS has this. reputation as being like the spend big league but if what papa smithy's saying is true then yeah now i wonder how much faker skews that lck number well, I'm, I'm sure papa's i'm sure they use a median for, but yeah. I, I think the reality is i do not consider our paying power to be a comparative advantage anymore for na i, I was about to go just there because i think that's a, a huge thing to note because during the 2016 period which i think it was true was like we could tempt people like someday and like, and I know, I know Prince obviously is a different story a little bit, but like, obviously uh, we are no longer in the position to be this big lure the way that we might've been um, financially back in the day. Uh, And that was the one thing that people held against North America was like, Oh, we're this fucking rich league, just, you know, living this life of luxury. And that's not even the case anymore globally. So I do think that like the the one arguable advantage people like to say for why North because whenever the question comes up why is NA bad I like to flip the question around and go why should NA be good we are spread on this giant continent with a not a massive player base playing on shit paying uh, because you know, of American like, exceptionalism Mark because American exceptionalism we should be the best guys and like the one thing people could say was like well you have the money just make it work and now we don't even have the money anymore to like really make make that case so like that's something i think that is really worth noting going forward into the future for for lcs yeah no it's very good no one no one's saying you shouldn't want to be the best kites but like people get upset when we're not and the the point i'm trying to make when i say this is not that you shouldn't want us to do well but like you have I don't to know, think Mark, about it like sounds what? like you're just willing to accept mediocrity and uh, what a terrible <laughs> no. state for our league whenever no, our personalities saying, in the space bro, we're not are willing to just accept we don't have this insane player base who play have cultural all I'm hearing are excuses number with do we need to pull up the excuse wheel for the entire country and shit basically <laughs> do we need to pull up the excuse wheel Mark we don't have a hundred fucking million viewers like the LPL or whatever they have <laughs> Anyways, maybe that's go, what we do, do next week. We do the excuse wheel episode where our guest oh, is the good. excuse wheel. I enjoyed that. Um, all right, let's talk about Alienware. Alienware sponsors Hotline League. We love Alienware so much, and uh, I know a bunch of you. I actually really appreciate this. A bunch of you have messaged me over the past, I don't know, three or four days, telling me 
that you've been purchasing, in some cases, some fairly big purchases from Alienware, making sure you use my link, which is really great. I have seen a ton of that reflected on the back end because I can actually go in and look and see like how much all of you guys are going to Alienware.com slash Travis and making especially purchases through that link as well. So I just wanted to use this moment here to thank a lot of you because I know for a couple weeks leading up to this, I was really promoting the Alienware link and promoting the fact that we get a cut back on all of that. It's, it goes straight to helping support uh, TGI. And so I just want to thank all of you guys for using that link. It's really great. Um, if folks are still looking to maybe grab something over the course of the next month, I mean, forever, right, as, as we're partnered with them. But especially as we head further into the holiday season, you can do so over at Alienware.com slash Travis. It is very much appreciated. Um, and just know that I do see that stuff and it does make me feel uh, supported by all of you that you're actually taking the time and going and doing that. It's very, very nice of, of you all to consider that. So, um, and I promise that goes back into to creating cool content. So thank you so much to Alienware for sponsoring the show. Thank you to all of you for using Alienware.com slash Travis. There's a link in the description on YouTube if you would like uh, to check it out there. And... Uh, yeah, thank you so much for sponsoring the show, Hotline, or for sponsoring Hotline Alienware. Thank you. Uh, Mark is grabbing the next caller. Thank you to Meshbeard, Dustin, and Numi for gifting a sub to Nox War. Thank you, everybody, for the subs. Mark should be back here in just a second, and I'm going to cough off camera, or rather off microphone. Um, hopefully this cough has gone by next week. Otherwise, I think Numi's going to scream at me for not going to the doctor. Uh, okay, we've got Mark back here in just a moment, continuing our conversations about free agency and a bunch of different things. Do you uh, know what it's for? What? You know what it's time for? What? A dueling take. <clears throat> oh, we haven't done one of these in a while. Are yep. they down? Okay, they're down for this. Okay, so we'll go with our first... Guest. Firidin is first. Firidin. Firidin, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from the Boston area. From the Boston area. And what do you want to talk about on the show? Yeah, so my take is that this Korean-speaking roster that Team Liquid is working with uh, is going to be bad for the league pretty much regardless of how they do, whether they do well or they do poorly, right? Um, so quickly, I'm trying to pull up the actual roster um, it is Summit Top. Uh, in the jungle is... Sorry, I'm trying to find the least. Uh, I think it's Harry Mid and then Yon Bot, uh, Core JJ uh, in support. And I forget who the jungler is. It's, um, it's rumored but, to be Umpty, but people aren't sure who it is. Okay. But the point is that, like, if it does well, that just speaks to, like, you know, how, how NA players are, like, being lazy or, you know, not, you know, the, 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 they're not, like, working as hard as they should. It, it doesn't do well for branding because if the entire team is speaking Korean, it's, like, hard to get comms sometimes, um, which means it's harder to put out, like, good content and videos. Um, and there's, like, you know, people like to root for NA talent, so it's going to hurt uh, the branding in that sense. And on the other side, if they do poorly, then it's a question of, okay, well, you brought in more Korean talent. You brought in Korean infrastructure in the form of coaches, right? Uh, you have like Marin coaching the team and yet somehow and the, the team still fails. That means that like there's something fundamentally wrong with the region. 
So there's just like no way to me that this like helps the team, whether they do well or they do poorly. All right. And uh, we have another caller here. Mogul. Mogul, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. I'm going to turn you up. Uh, you're a little quiet if you can get closer to the microphone. Uh, yeah, let me try. Is yeah. that better? Yes, that's better. And uh, and what do you want to talk? What's your take? Um, so essentially, it's basically a counter take. Um, for, in my opinion, uh, it's kind of a bad faith argument to say that this is a full Korean team, just because you have two NA residents who were in the academy system who clearly deserve their chance in the league by being first in the academy scene for two splits in a row on that TL Academy spot coming up. And just because they speak Korean doesn't make them not NA. Um, point being, you know, Fudge, Ed resident considered one of the best resident NA top laners from OCE, just like Harry and Yon. And on top of the fact that, you know, you're promoting LA talent, and that alone should be amazing and considered a great thing for the league. Um, People watch Korean... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. People watch Korean talent. It's not like people don't watch subtitled Korean videos. T T1 gets tons of views on their videos. So it's not like the people won't watch the content that they make. In fact, it makes it more interesting because people get to shit on the Korean, you know, issue at hand because people went ham on the Korean 9, if you remember from last year. People love talking about it. It's not like it's not good for content. It's great for content. Do you, do you so have, I think it's going to be great for the NA, no matter you, what. Do you have statistics at all on how many of the people watching that T1 content are English listeners reading subtitles? Um, I don't, actually. That is something that I don't know. But I feel like just based on LCK itself and the popularity of LCK English, people do watch it. And it's not like they don't watch the people doing their interviews. Like the LCK um, viewership, I think, was like easily 50K a night, which is comparable to the NA LCS on whenever they don't get the, you know, L uh, LEC boost. And so, so uh, one or two quick things. One, I want to make the note that there's been kind of this weird thing that has happened where people seem to talk about TL using two different phrases. They use Korean speaking. They also use Korean. And these are not always meant functionally in the in the same way. And so I think what's important to note is like my reporting and I think the reporting of others has always been that Team Liquid is interested in having a Korean speaking roster. Um not necessarily saying that they are only exclusively looking to have like, you know, five imported players or imported like a mixture of players that were brought from Korea and then, you know, been here for a while and then bring in others. So I, I just want to make that distinction. Um, there's there's oh. a third class of this kind of Korean sure. conversation or a third <clears throat> distinction to make, which is also like Korean mentality, like an LCK mentality, I think. And I don't know how confirmed this is, but I, I do think based off Core JJ's interview, the team conversations and stuff is that they do want to go maybe a little harder than um, some NA orgs do. Uh, and this hasn't been like super confirmed. So this is this is a lot of I think projection from fans um, with Marin joining and 
you know, Summit coming over and, and stuff like that. But like, uh, I do think that there is an assumption that some aspects of the LCK practice regiment will be more adopted by this team than others. And so it's also a proving ground in some sense of how that works in North America to some people. And they'll just say it's a Korean team and, and they're not really being clear with whether they mean all Korean players, Korean speaking, or this kind of methodology approach. Yeah. Um, and, okay. Uh, and then even just now, like I see Maximus Pay in the chat saying the point is that they're brought up in the Korean system with drive discipline and work ethic. It's just kind of like a weird <laughs> two of them aren't though. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. Well, so then you maybe are you saying like, well, culturally, like they're fan I it's you get into some really weird conversations if you are trying to like push in that direction. So I would just say be careful. Um anyway, okay, so Mogul, you think that it's a little disingenuous. So let's bring let's go back to uh is it Fireden or Fearden? That's fair. fair yeah, um, I think there's two, two two parts to this, right? It is true a lot of the team is not, you know, you know they're they're, they're uh, brought up in NA or they're uh, I should say they're you know academy players. They come up through the NA uh, system. Um, part of it is branding, right? They're being brand- it seems to me from what I've read, and maybe this is you know some poor like phrasing in, in articles or headlines or whatever. It's being branded as the Korean team. Um, and maybe it's worth distinguishing whether that's the Korean team or the Korean speaking team. Um, but having Marin as the coach, uh, to me, points to the fact that this is, you know, intended to be a Korean team, like in a, in a cultural sense, right? And this is bringing over the, the Korean, um, like, league culture to North America in the same way that, like, Core JJ wants to do that, right? Um, so even if the team is not you know, a, a team that is five Korean import players, it seems to me that it is a Korean team, like, in, in essence, um, regardless of... And, and then the other part of that is, again, like, the content stuff, right? Having everyone, you know, the, if they're doing a docuseries, it's harder to get shots of them playing and stuff like that because they will be speaking Korean and therefore it's harder to put together a video. I understand people do, like, watch Korean League, um, but, like, I don't because I don't like to watch... I, I, you know, I, I don't watch, like, I'm going to get hated for this. I don't watch, like, sub subtitles on anime either because, I you know, it's, like, you watch to, dubs, to watch dubs or, or you listen to dubs on anime. Yeah, yeah like, uh, like, if I watch anime, I can watch dubs. And Mark, you're play. muted whenever you're having, whatever reaction you're having. I said we're yeah, kicking we're... him because he's a dub listener. Subs <laughs> for life. I expected Shinat Twitch getting on me. But I think the point is just it lowers the usability of Wait, what if Team Liquid dubs all their content... With the the players let me in there, dude. Let me let me let me do their dubs for them. Bad lip reading incoming. Very not um, culturally offensive for sure. One one thing I might add just to counter that, uh, if TL's uh, one of the rumored uh, junglers for TL has been empty, and if they do get into empty, I know for a fact that four out of the five Koreans on this team, or quote unquote Koreans, speak English fluently. So I don't think there'll be a you know, real problem with English speaking content. Well, to, to the, to Fairden's point, they won't, it is, un, I do not think the expectation is that they would be speaking English amongst each other. And if that's the case, you, it's harder to do fly on the wall. That's content. a lot of the content you're getting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, As, is if you are live. not, if you are going with, which historically they have, you know, TL has done a lot of the sort of docu-series content and kind of filming behind the scenes. It is, it is different um, when you're recording people who are not speaking 
English. Just from a logistical editing perspective, um, to be clear. Uh, all right. So, all right. Let's get Andy Andy B in here now. You've been listening um, to the caller's takes. Where are you leaning on this? Yeah, I probably lean towards the second caller. I don't know if I like in particular classify this as like a fully Korean roster. You obviously had um, Harry and Yeon come up from Academy. So I like the second caller's take of, you know, there is NA talent on this roster, whatever we want to call it, um, that has really moved up through the system, earned their spot. So I really do like that. And now you're just supplementing them essentially with, you know, Kara Jungler and then Kara Top as well. And Summit has already been here. So, you know, he understands the way the region works. He's been here. He maybe has assimilated better than others. I will find that out. Um, and then Did you obviously he? have Core. I, you know, I mean, he was here know. for about three months. It's a bit of an extended vacation. Wait, he, 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 assimilated he, so, he, he assimilated so quick, Travis. He did the full cycle. <laughs> In three months, where it usually he's takes players at now. least a year. Yeah, yeah, okay. He he's been everywhere. Um, and that you know, you obviously have Core has been here as well. So I don't know if I look at this team and say like it's a full Korean roster. And sure, maybe they're trying to bring over some of those cultural norms with Marin and such. But I I don't know. I've just been thinking about that the whole take. So I I probably just lean towards the second caller. All right. So so that that's one angle of it is like the classification of this team, which we've deba- yeah. debated. But I think Fearden had some other points. I, I want to get your t- your question on like how do you think the community reacts to like the success or failures of this team, regardless of how we denominate them? You know, like do you think if this team goes out and stomps there and they do some interviews where they're like, yeah, we're working harder than everyone else in the league? Do you think that is a good or bad thing? Do you think that creates just a bad pressure on everyone else to do, to adopt their their schedule? Do you think it's a good thing that like, hey, maybe people do need that kick in the butt? Or yeah, because like, what do you think the uh, results of, of a team Andy, like this will be? I don't know if you know, but there's a uh, if you're familiar with him, uh, Rigby is his name, and he uh, um, he said some he, things this off season <laughs> about NA players and NA player mentality and uh, work ethic, um, and so I. To, to Mark's point, like there's already kind of this underlying latent NA lazy NA bad thing. So if you do suddenly have this team that uh, at least even even if you don't see it that way, a decent amount of the community will be like, oh, that's the Korea team, like, and they start kicking ass. You know, is that is that going to be an issue for the league? No, I mean, I, I think if TL does well, then you know their scouting work speaks for itself, and they've done a great job. And you know, I think if we see failure in the roster, then that probably is on their scouting side or, you know, they didn't properly understand how to assimilate these pieces with into the organization or the region. I I think, you know, to me, whenever I think about importing players, assimilation is the big thing I think of, you know, is this player coming here for one year? Are they trying to make a life here? Are they, you know, trying to actually be a bigger part in this organization? And, you know, that for me is everything with imports. And, you know, that's probably why I'm more hesitant on like the FlyQuest roster, or TL roster, because, you know, how dedicated are these new imports coming in? And, you know, we can sit here and, you know, look at the EG roster and go, why have you not utilized your import slots? And, you know, I could speak pretty openly and say, you know, I didn't find any imports out there who, you know, really wanted to be here, who believed in this region, believed in the roster, and were really ready to, you know, settle down here and make a life for themselves. Yeah, I think that's a really, like... Obviously, people might have seen my like boomerang emote tweets, um, where I do think that that's like a pretty big issue 
with the league right now, and I think that's why there's probably some deserved skepticism. I mean, I boomerang Summit with two boomerangs just because I suspect there's a good chance that within the next 12 months I'll I'll have three boomerangs for him. We'll see. I want to see how many boomerangs one man can stack. But uh, I I think I think there is some merit to the first caller's concerns because okay we don't know what team liquid's philosophy was in building this right because behind the scenes myself and others you hear okay here's what team liquid's trying to do but you oftentimes don't know for teams like what their reasoning or motivation is until you can sit down and talk to people or until things leak more or i don't know they have some sort of behind the scenes thing and one of my concerns is there was a period of time in the league where teams just said Koreans good, Korea good, Korea good League of Legends. And so what you did was you tried to find players from Korea and then you're like, okay, well, we can't bring five over. So who around here can speak Korean? Does anybody, can you speak Korean? And so rather like the philosophy would not begin with let's find five good players and oh, they all happen to speak Korean. That's great. The philosophy would begin with Korean League of Legends good. And then you just work towards that sort of goal or that becomes your guiding light. And I don't know until they talk about it more, but I don't fault them for not talking about it because they haven't announced the roster yet, where, like how Team Liquid approached this. But if their philosophy was anything Western sucks, we really want to figure out how to build like the the best Korean style roster where Every, you know, scrim discussion takes place in Korean and we have a Korean coach and blah, blah, blah. Then I worry a little bit about that philosophy. And that does not necessarily mean like this is not, I always have to be careful about this because people I think try to twist a lot of these things into uh, conversations where people are accusing of xenophobia. That's not the case. It is just a, a concern about what is your guiding philosophy in the roster building process. And I don't, I, I worry a little bit if the philosophy becomes more around how do we copy Korea rather than how do we get five really good players, you know? No, I, I fully agree. And I really do not like tolerating necessarily the mindset of Korea equal good. Like, yes, they're absolutely great. There's no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, the reality is like we're in NA. This is an entirely different region. There's we obviously have import rules and whatnot. And so it's like you said, you cannot import five Koreans. It's not at least in terms of how I build the roster, you know, you have to start off with your resident pieces. And, you know, looking at TL, obviously they have resident pieces who are able to achieve the speaking Korean aspect. And so, you know, you can applaud them for giving it a shot and seeing if it works because they did have the pieces that were available. Um, so I'm interested to see how it works and, you know, if their thesis or, you know, how the roster philosophy, however they came up with this really actually comes to be. Yeah. Mark, you haven't really weighed in on this much. I'm curious what your take is. Uh, I mean, I think I kind of talked about a little bit about like the different aspects of it. I think for me, I, I want to get a little bit more clarification on like how they end up scrimming and like how their practicing is going. Um, because I do wonder I am curious what their success will mean for the region. I think they'll be good. I, I'm pre I'm pretty hopeful for them. Um, but like, which aspects of it do people copy? Because Andrew talked a lot about like 
the building and the scouting and, and getting five good players and, you know, will people copy just going after Korean speaking as like suddenly does that metric matter more going in the future? But I also wonder what it means about like um, schedule and practice yeah, and stuff like that. Because you could I've end up in a world. Of... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to finish. I think I've, I've complained about North America's scrim culture a lot, and I, I hope that they are better and then people copy that aspect. I hope everyone's better. What, what I, I, I do don't... hope the, the aspect they do copy, though, is, you know, Harry and Yeon have been in their system for, you know, over a year now. And I think that's really what I want to take a look at from if that roster does have success, because, you know, those players know the organization, they understand it, they, they know all of that. So that's what I'm looking at. I don't want the takeaway to be if you are 16 years old and interested in playing in the LCS, find out if your high school takes gives Korean lessons <laughs> or find a local community college uh, because that's, you know, I, for a while you had situations where I feel like academy or NA resident players were like picking roles based off of like, oh, mid lane is a bad role. I shouldn't play mid because, uh, you know, there's only one North American mid laner in the league. You know, it's like, do we end up in a world where like, we start seeing native, uh, you know, uh, American or Canadian players who speak Korean having far greater. Uh, Dude, it'd be so potential. funny if all the fucking like mid laners in NA just start changing their names to be like more Korean. <laughs> like they, they take on like kind of like those stan accounts of yeah, like yeah. K pop stars or whatever. I, I think the crazier thing to probably think about is how much your earning income would increase if you just knew Korean. Uh, yeah, it's a very interesting question. Ask the LCS Players Association, like, what is the average <laughs> bilingual Korean-speaking player in LCS make uh, this year versus, yeah. Very interesting, interesting conversation. All right, thank you so much, Firden and Mogul. We'll start with, uh, fi wait, Firedin? Firedin? Firedin, any shout-outs? Uh, nah, no shout-outs. Thanks for putting on the show, guys. No shout-outs? Uh, shout out to, uh, I guess, Alienware and GrubUp. Thank for, you. Uh, okay. Guys costs. That's all I need. Thank you. Uh, Mogul, any shout outs, any plugs here at the end? Uh, yeah, a shout out to Alienware, uh, GrubHub, and also to uh, Teal Spawn, because man's been hyping up Harry for the longest time possible. And I just wanted to make sure that he was represented, because god damn does Harry deserve this opportunity. Awesome. Thank you so much for the call, and we'll catch you both next time. Mark's super condensing the show by now pulling multiple callers at the same time. <laughs> what we we've done dueling callers. I know, no, I'm just teasing. That. I'm just teasing because I realized we only had two left, um, and so I was like, okay. Uh, thank you to uh, Milky AF for the Prime and Big Boy Brawler for the bits. We should have Mark. Mark is back now with Wafflefoot. Wafflefoot, where are you calling from? Hi, I'm calling from Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles, California. What do you want to talk about on the show? Well, I mean, it's pretty simple. Uh, and it's a topic that I'm sure everybody is just overjoyed with reiterating again. Uh, but Spring Split doesn't matter currently. And uh, I think that the LCS specifically should move past having Spring Split uh, altogether and you, uh, instead switch to doing a... Uh, a major style season in the first half of the year prior to summer. So how would the major style system play? Like, how would you make the major style system 
uh, matter? So the biggest thing about it is less that is less focused on the direct impact to worlds and quote unquote mattering. The biggest uh, benefits of having a system like this uh, would be that uh, it allows non-franchised organizations a more direct way to compete against franchised organizations. Gives an op gives more opportunity for up and coming players to stand out. Uh, playing against potentially those franchised organizations in a high-stakes tournament. Uh, more importantly, uh, and more critically, it'll reduce burnout amongst the the, fr the current franchised NA player base uh, by giving them, you know, a, a a bigger break period between Worlds and the start of summer split where they really feel like, or where most teams I would argue feel like they really need to start their grind. And, and the winner uh, of this major still goes to MSI, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like find a way to tie it, uh, you know, tie it in, in, you know, like a, a, a league points system, something like that, where, you know, after the majors are done, uh, you know, whoever has the highest number of points, that's our representative for MSI, uh, you know, maybe even explore more than just, uh, you know, this person goes to MSI, but like also exploring the opportunity to have more international tournaments. Like you're always saying that, you know, we should be doing, uh, take a weekend and jam out some games, uh, with some of the LCS. So, <laughs> so I don't want to, I don't want to go too far into yeah. the international stuff just cause I feel like that opens up like a whole nother can, but yes, exactly. What just, just before we, we throw to, to Mark and Andrew here to talk about it, like what, what in your system or your proposed changes matters more, you know, like, cause people say spring split doesn't matter because they say like, it doesn't really have an impact on worlds and like you can be 10th mm -hmm. in spring and still make it to worlds and all that stuff. So in your system, what, what is making it matter? Yeah, so the biggest thing that's making it matter to me, uh, one, I would, I do really think that the burnout thing is a consistent problem that we're seeing year over year. I think that this would help significantly with this. But uh, additionally, the one of the biggest uh, benefits that I think you get from this is more, uh, more events spread across the United States that have, or, you know, just NA in general, where the teams and the orgs have an opportunity to directly engage with the fan base that's around NA, stir up some of that, uh, some of the fandom that we really feel like we've been lacking a lot over the past few years, uh, and kind of, you know, hopefully reignite, uh, you know, that passion for league that we've been missing for a while. I, so I, I just guess, worry. I guess at the end of the go ahead go ahead no no finish your thought yeah I was, I was just gonna say is at the end of the day my the swapping spring split for these major style tournaments for me is less about making spring split matter on a competitive level because I feel like there are very few options that you have to be able to do that successfully uh, I feel I would look to repurpose that spring time to better serve these other needs, whether it's, you know, reducing burnout, giving organizations more flexibility with de <clears throat> determining their final rosters, 
more direct engagement with fans, better activate, better opportunities for activations, etc. It's more of a scene health, so my so than competitive health. My concern, as you know, before again, before I throw these folks, is like mm-hmm. the the reason the spring split doesn't matter thing happened was because pro players would sort of talk about and teams would kind of talk about how spring split doesn't matter to them because mm-hmm. they would feel like the ramifications are you get to go to MSI where there's a very limited number of teams competing and it's a tournament that does not feel fairly significant. And I suspect that with the changes you are proposing, it would feel like it matters even less to these players and to these teams. And because Riot doesn't do a good job of marketing or championing its own opinions on topics, those people would just go out and say it doesn't even matter. It matters even less now. And it would become even more of a thing where people are feeling weird about it. But rather than you and I going back and forth on this, let me throw it over to Andrew Barton. Andrew Barton, what do you think of the idea of changing up spring in this way? Um, So I think I'd be more interested, like if we talked about international majors, I think that's probably a much bigger conversation that we don't necessarily want to get into. Um, but that's what I'm most interested in. Um, I think spring split does matter, you know, making MSI is very big. And I think, you know, Jojo and Danny really saw the results of that and how big it was for them, um, in terms of their improvement. But, you know, I I think if we can just change MSI as a tournament and think of adjustments there, then I really think you won't see this whole deal about spring split not mattering and all that, like. I think there is a way to make spring matter. And I don't necessarily agree with the major aspect um, because one, I think that's going to cost too much money to be able to put on. So that just won't happen. Um, And then that's pretty much the reason why I don't think it will happen. Um, I'm not sure, Mark, do you have any takes on this? I mean, the one thing I'll give Waffle the credit for is kind of saying like, it doesn't matter. So target other things. I think the the problem that normally people try and solve is they say, oh, I don't think spring matters. And then they suggest some things that still don't matter. (laughs) Like if you don't think spring matters right now, there's no way to convince you to make spring matter because you're trapped in the mindset that only worlds matters. And I really don't like, as Ender was saying in chat, like I don't like things that tell me who the best team was four or five months ago with different rosters, with different patches and different environments. Like I like summer teams to go to worlds. That's what I like. People who earn it that month leading into worlds or, you know, that two months or whatever. So like, yeah, I don't really like solutions. And we've, we've had, I would argue bad teams attend worlds before because of that. Um, so I appreciate at least that Wafflefoot isn't trying to solve that problem and just saying, well, since it doesn't matter anyways, let's just fix other things like burnout and whatnot. I don't think spring doesn't matter. AKA, I think spring matters. I don't agree with that notion. Like, I just don't think there's any, um, I, I think there's some sentiment behind it, but I don't think there's any like inertia to that idea because spring split always does better viewership wise. People are excited to see the new rosters play. That matters. Um, winning a championship still matters despite what people think. You know, like people don't just pretend those spring split championships didn't happen. Like, if you won a championship in spring, guess what? Still matter. You go to MSI because you won, that matters a lot to people too. I think G2, you can tell me if I'm wrong, was uh, happy to attend. Maybe they got burnt out from it and it was maybe not the best experience or something, but I'm still, they, I assume you guys would prefer to have won and made it than not. It didn't not matter to you. So um, I push back on the entire idea that things don't matter in spring um, completely. That said, I'm not opposed to, like you said, examining what we can do with spring to make it better. Um, And 
maybe that means, <laughs> again, not to get into the international tournament conversation, but I do think MSI could use a hard look at what the hell the point of that tournament is. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, if I was looking to solve spring, I would look to solve MSI. Because if people, if, if getting to go, if, <laughs> if getting to go to uh, MSI does not feel like it matters to teams, then I don't think it matters much, uh, you know, what you do to spring split, because like that is the reward that you get for winning spring. Uh, so sorry, I can focus now. Market is is crazy filters. Um, it, anyway, uh, so I I think that's the biggest issue is that right now, like if if people think summer win matters because you get to go to worlds and that they have overemphasized the importance of worlds so much now that like it just makes MSI feel like a what is this tournament type deal, and if you somehow were able to solve MSI feeling like it doesn't matter that much, then I think spring split suddenly does matter. And maybe that's because maybe you, a world where you invite two teams from the major regions or you, I don't know, you, Riot is always so, so, so afraid of doing anything that moves <clears throat> worlds a little further down from its pedestal in comparison to the other events that they, they're afraid to ever do anything that, that increases the other events. But I, I really do feel like that. I, I think, you know, Mark Mark did kind of bring me around on your point, though, Wafflefoot, of, like, maybe you could do other things in spring that make it feel more interesting. Quite frankly, I feel like lock-in is a really good example of that, right? Where they're like, okay, people don't necessarily like the nine-week-long spring split. Why don't we do lock-in in the beginning? Now, the problem is we're an import league where half of the players in the league are North American or less than half are North American, and so they all have visa and green card issues, and so lock-in has become its own kind of failure. But I don't know. I I think looking for alternatives is maybe maybe a fair idea. I don't know. Andy, I know you kind of tossed a mark, but I don't know if you have any other follow-ups or thoughts on this stuff. No, I, I think it goes back to somehow making adjustments to MSI and making that tournament more noteworthy. Because I think the one thing, and I, I think Dota falls into this trap a little bit, but you know, you have TI and Worlds as kind of you know the pinnacle tournaments where everything is on the line. And while that is a cool storyline, and you do love that, I I do wish we had more lead up. And you know, that's kind of why I spoke on international majors and how I feel there. Um, and there's a ton to go into that, but you know, uh, make adjustments to MSI. I really do wish we had one more international tournament. That would make me feel a lot better. But you know, if we can make the adjustments to MSI, I think that will lead to a better um, result from spring and how we feel about that. And really, that's probably the next step at this point. Yep. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Wafflefoot. Anything you want to shout out before we take a quick break? Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, obviously got to give a shout out to the hubbest of grubs. Uh, actually had uh, my call was delayed a little bit because my Grubhub got delivered right as the next caller was being pulled in. Uh, so shout out to Grubhub and their guarantee. Uh, very happy that they've been a consistent sponsor for you throughout the years. Uh, and continue to shout out to uh, yourself and to Mark uh, for running the show. Uh, been a fan for a very, very long time and... You know, excited to see where things go. Thank you so much. 
Catch you next time. Perfect timing with Wafflefoot. Shout out of Grubhub because it's time to talk about Grubhub. Uh, we love Grubhub. I just had uh, food delivered by Grubhub earlier. I had some Thai food uh, and some boba delivered from a Thai place that I really like. Actually, the place that I had in the uh, dinner with episode with Kobe where we had Thai food there. Or was it maybe? No, I think it, yeah, I think it was it was Kobe. We had Thai food there. Either way, same place delivered by Grubhub again. Uh, shout out to Grubhub. Right now, if you are, and how could you, but if you if you are somebody who has not used Grubhub yet, you can use TG Free Agency, TG Free Agency, for $10 off your order of $25 plus. This is for new diners only, and it's until December 4th, so until through through Sunday. So please, actually, you know, especially if you haven't ever used Grubhub before, this is a great way to actually show Grubhub, especially as we're in renewal conversations with them at the end of the year, um, how much you support the show because they see, you know, people who have never signed up before for Grubhub signing up. I think that's a big thing for a brand, especially when they're using my code. So there's a link in the YouTube description uh, for you to sign up. If you sign up with that link, it's actually very helpful. But regardless of if you sign up with that link, when you do sign up, please use code TG. Free agency, one word, TG free agency for $10 off on your order of $25 plus. Uh, this is again through December 4th, which is Sunday. So thank you so much to Grubhub for sponsoring the show. We love Grubhub. They if, deliver awesome stuff. Mark is wearing their shirt. To, right to help now. us out, definitely make bot accounts and sign up. Um, and nope. tweet, tweet, tweet nope. that you're going to boycott if they don't nope, renew nope, us. Nope, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Please. Okay, Mark is going to go grab the next <laughs> caller. Thank you to New Shoes Songs for the Prime and Smoke Dog for the 37 months. Really appreciate all of the subs. Mark is back. That was quick with Laser Fruit. Laser Fruit, where are you calling from? I am calling from Southern Ontario. From Ontario in Canada? Yes. Okay, what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, so I just wanted to say, uh, as an EG fan, it was pretty disheartening to see that uh, EG Prodigies was being dissolved. So I was wondering if uh, Andy could give any insight behind the EG's decision to do that. And and really quickly, caller, can you also explain for folks who might not know what EG Prodigies was? EG Prodigies was uh, EG's like amateur program, so similar to 100 Thieves Next. So it was like a tier three team, basically. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Andrew Barton getting grilled right now. Why no more prodigies? Yeah, so I think for us in prodigies, obviously we've had the program for two years and you know we've reaped a lot of benefits from it. It's produced us a lot of talent and we've seen a lot of success from it. Um, but for us going into 2023 and really what we're looking to do as an organization, I think, you know, we had a lot of conversations on how do we improve the region? What do we need to do better to make players better and whatnot? Um, and I, I think for us, you know, we're trying to think of things a little differently where, you know, we actually want to take a look at a lot of high school players and even middle, middle school to an extent, because one big problem we're facing is just, you know, a, a dying player population. I think we lost so many players to Fortnite, Minecraft, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, you know, we took JoJo um, from among Fortnite. Among Us? Yeah, Among Us, sure. We took JoJo from Fortnite and brought him into League. 
And, you know, I don't want to say, sit here and say, you know, the players in Challenger are kind of constant and that's it. But, you know, we need to actually find new players and bring them into the ecosystem. And I think really that's how we're going to start to improve the region. And I really hope some of the high school work that we can prepare for 2023 can, you know, really move us in that right direction. And we'll see how it goes. It's going to be a new experiment for us. But that's ultimately where we would kind of want to look to allocate some of those dollars potentially is in the high school sector. Will you be scouting Fortnite and Among Us for more players? I, I actually had a conversation um, with a few folks this offseason about going into Fortnite, talking to players. I want you to try League of Legends for a month, paying them whatever you want, and seeing how high some of them can get. Because I think many in many top games, the skills are transferable. And I think if you saw a player climb up high enough, they, that might be a good sign for them. Um, so, yeah, that a conversation actually has happened. So we have, in Team Liquid, people saying if they speak korean let's put them on the roster and in eg we have if they play fortnite let's put them on the roster it's a very but mechanical do, game so how do you know they're good at fortnite when there's no matchmaking i haven't i mean i haven't watched is that game still going on i really haven't looked at fortnite in like two or three years wait but you were so just talking about how you example. care you think fortnite's a big deal and you don't you're not familiar with what's going on in the game well, that might be a bad example. My point is there are other games out there. It could be Valorant now where, you know, you have these high-level players and you go, I want you to try this game for a month. Let's see how you do. So Fortnite is legitimately just an example. You can do it with Minecraft, with CSGO, Dota, Valorant, whatever the hell you want. Um, do you know about how there's build and no build now in Fortnite? I did see that. Oh and I really, I, I thought the building was like, pretty important for your mechanics so yeah I don't so know. are you like if they're good but they're good at the no build part are you like not interested frauds. maybe maybe i shy away from them i'll have to talk to jojo about it honestly okay so yeah you should you should um I, I like how the problem for eg was that tier three was not having the impact it needed by investing in that so now they're investing in tier four tier five whatever you want to call high school uh level is that is that it you took you took the budget from prodigies and broke it apart for high schoolers i think a little i mean it can definitely be looked at like that um and i would agree with that kind of but i think you've seen a lot of other teams now come into amateur and they're obviously going to be doing great work there and i think we want to look to now do work elsewhere and that's just the reality of it there's somebody in the chat was joking earlier and saying there are no more prodigies to have eg prodigies and i like it's a funny joke but also is that, I mean, was there an element to that where you're like, we're having a hard time finding people like they're not, they're not enough players that make the jump to that pre academy phase that you guys, you know, it's hard to fill the team that way. Or uh, is that, is that an issue you're running into? It's, it's not exactly like that, but I really, you know, when I was taking a look at prodigies and how much, you know, we would get out of it in the years to come, you know, it was really around 2023, 2024, where I, I started to get a little bit skeptical on you know what is out there, um, and, and that's why I actually do have somewhat of a passion for finding players in other games, converting them into League of Legends or whatever you want, and trying to help build up the population that way. Because I, I think getting new players into League is actually has to be the hardest thing. Well, I guess we'll see how things go. Uh, Laser Fruit, what do you what do you think of all this? Um, I mean, it's just nice to hear that EG is planning on doing something other than just completely abandoning like tier three and beyond. 
So one actually on that point, and I'm obviously I'm super happy that you're down to do the show here. And I think I don't want the fact that you're on the show to get lost. And when I point this out, but there have been several teams that have been putting out videos that are like, here's our like competitive, you know, look going into like 2023. Is there any world where like EG could do something like that? Where, you know, cause people obviously calling on the show curious about prodigies. I think it's cool that you're on the show to be able to answer these types of questions, but I think having something where it's like you and GamerDoc and other people being like, on Kelsey, now that she's joined the team, doing something that's like, here's the Evil Geniuses League of Legends Direct with what we're looking for in the 2023 year. I know this is something you can't sign off on right now because you're not, as we've talked about so many times in marketing or content, but I think this would be kind of cool. I, I cannot sign off on it, but I think that is something I am going to talk to EG about because I think it's important to really have that transparency and it's something I really believe in. I think it's, you know, helps how you grow a fan base, all that good stuff. Um, so it is something we'll work on and something I do want to give the fans ultimately. Well, it's, I think it's also nice because even if a lot of people don't watch it right then, like even if the video doesn't do very well, it's the type of thing where like three months from now, whenever there's like a thread on Reddit about how all the teams have abandoned it, amateur and blah, 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 blah. There's like a video that, you know, people will link back to potentially. There's the a TikTok explaining. of you running up to Zoomers with 20 bucks in your hand saying, I bet you can't get bronze or gold or something. And, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's a different what I piece of content. It's a little different than what we, I was um, we, we did some stuff last year um, on our off season. It was like associated with Coinbase and whatnot. Um, but it, it went through a little bit of that, like talking about the philosophies, why we're going through the players and such. Um, and that was something I actually really enjoyed last year. That was kind of cool going back at and looking at did a lot of those assumptions come correct and whatnot. Um, so it's something I would love to do with this off season. Cause again, it just allows you to, you know, figure out where your assumptions correct. Listen, I've learned recently, no. I'm, not, I'm not saying this is <laughs> true for you, Andrew, but I've learned recently, or the sense I'm starting to get is if a piece of content from a league of legends team is not sponsored, they're not interested in making it. So if anybody out there would like to sponsor a video of you know them talking about all this stuff over at EG, please reach out to the EG sales team so that we can actually get I, this. I didn't say that. So <laughs> I know you did not say this. I'm saying I have learned this. Okay. Uh, I also you. implied that when I was talking about how content gets made these days. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's really the sales team that comes up with all the ideas. If you look at the content, it's... Pretty fucking clear. Okay. All right. We got Jersey Mike's. How are we going to put Jersey Mike's in this video? What if TGI sponsored it? I mean, I would, I'd be down. I don't know. We'd let's, have to talk about production local, costs, but it, it does feel like nowadays, if, it, out. it does feel like nowadays if, uh, if I want to see content in the LCS, I have to make it. So I, uh, I'll look into it. Okay. Thank you so much. Laser fruit. Anything you want to shout out? Uh, sure, I will shout out the uh, EG Discord for being wonderful people, and um, shout out to Nuggery who announced his retirement earlier today as well. Yeah, thank you so much for the call, and we'll catch you next time. All right, thank you. All right. Uh, before I get to the next caller, I have to ask this question because people would be pissed if we didn't. Uh, Nicole spoke a little bit about Danny still being on the roster. Um, I assume people watching this would appreciate whatever you can say as like an update or an additive to what she already said, or if they missed it, you can reiterate. Like, uh, I think people will just be like, what the hell? You guys had an EG staff member on? You didn't talk about Danny? So like, what what can you say uh, about that situation? 
Yeah, for Danny, he's um, he's still on contract with us, and you know he's going to be taking this next year off. He'll be at home. Um, you know, really, that's it. You know, he did an incredible job for us. You know, throughout the past year and a half, we've had him, um, and I, you know, have no interest in just dropping him, firing him, and all that. You know, he's he's earned quite a bit of what he's done, and so you know he's on contract for us. And you know, if he ever wants to talk about coming back to play, whether you know it's here or at another organization, we'll absolutely allow for that conversation. Very good. Mark, you want to grab the next caller? Off Mark goes. Thank you to Numi for gifting a sub to Endercast. Uh, PP Doc, thank you for the Prime. Alvin as well, and Big Brawler again for the bits. Sean Atona is here. Sean, where are you calling from? Hey, I'm calling from Buffalo, New York. Buffalo, New York. And what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, I actually think that all the flack the TSM Academy roster is getting is misplaced, and I think it's fine, especially considering the Maryville, the or rumored Maryville um, partnership for TSM. Yeah, so I'm very curious about this. Has it been because it, it felt like it was kind of a conflicting thing? Where first we heard about this potential Maryville partnership. For for those that don't know, there was a a report that I think Wulu did that was basically like TSM is looking at handing off managing its uh, academy team or challenger team, whatever you want to call it, to University of Maryville or a similar type university, like a, a school that has a big interest in running that stuff. I think the skeptics among us felt as though that was kind of a cost-cutting measure more than anything. Uh, but then on the yeah. other hand, you had this report of their team that's coming out that supposedly was going to have three veterans on it, which feels a little different than like a collegiate team, unless all three of those players have decided to go back to school. So I, I don't know, Sean, if you have any insight on that stuff. So the, yeah, the only thing I would say is that since it's like, if the partnership would have been announced like by now, which it hasn't been like officially announced, right? Then I would assume that like Maryville is like taking over for spring, right? And then that they would have had like full roster control. But since collegiate operates on a different time than LCS does, right? Like LCS is like calendar year, school is different, right? Their stuff starts in the fall. That this seems like a bridge of players for the TSM Academy roster, which I think it's fine when you look at all the names there. They're all people that like probably either live in LA or were in LA already. Uh, have experience to where like they're just either shaking off the rust in the uh, events of like uh, you know Wild Turtle, Sven, and Hanser. Uh, Triple's been out there in Academy for a while, and that if the rumored Maryville uh, one does go through, and it does happen, then you should expect to see the changes with Maryville in mind happening come summer LCS for Academy. So I think it's better that we have veteran players who already probably live in. LA playing for like a split as opposed to trying to get new talent in there, especially if the deal's not done. And then after uh, a semester, because we'll use the collegiate way or the split being like, Oh, everyone spots up for grabs. Good luck, everybody. And for the people who moved over. And the only reason I say this is because like there are accounts from soul on like Twitter, or, like his DMs somewhere being like they only offered him like 50, 60K without housing to like live and play in LA. Yeah, I think spring. it was supposed to be like academy minimum, right? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So 
I'm not saying, and like, again, I, I do think it is the, I understand the skeptics about like, oh, it's budget cutting. But at the end of the day, if this works out with Maryville, I think this is the best business move that TSM can make overall. And I think it, you know, for someone like myself who uh, has a real big uh, fire for collegiate, it, it really sets the trend for like the way that we can start doing talent development in a different way. So I, I think what people really were honing in on and were really upset about was this roster with the three veterans on it. So I think, you know, setting aside the collegiate stuff, since we don't really know too much about that, we don't know when it'll start, if it is starting in summer, et cetera. I think maybe better now to focus on just the conversation around the uh, three veteran roster. Um, well, even triple is like, I don't want to say he's like a completely known quantity or anything, but he did play a fair amount in Osh before coming over and being around, like you said, a little bit in, in the academy system. So do we want to say four uh, veteran I, roster? I think it's borderline four. I mean, he's it's certainly not a, a new talent um, in a sense. So I like to call out TSM lately. This is a situation where I don't actually feel like there's much to call them out on. Uh, I think it is an issue for the Challenger League if the vast majority of the players competing in that league are veterans, but I don't think that that is the case. And so one team running <clears throat> some players that have been around for a while, they introduce a bit of a different dynamic and different level of experience into the competition in the challenger league, I think is actually maybe kind of a good thing. So I just did not see the like outrage or feel the outrage about this type of stuff um, that I think a lot of other people did. And, and I mean, I feel similarly with the double F Bjergsen stuff with hundred thieves, right? Like I think it is fine to sprinkle in some veterans and experienced people into your pool of newer, newer players. I think it is actually bad to have explicitly one way or the other, um, in most cases. And so that's why I just don't, I, I agree with the take sort of setting aside the broader conversations about the collegiate side. I agree with the take because I just don't, if one mm -hmm. team decides to do this, I don't think it's that big of a deal. And I actually do think it like, you know, they're, they are somewhat only doing it to their own detriment. If this collegiate thing doesn't work out, cause it's unlikely that they'll have much trade value for these guys. Um, but that does probably actually help the league in general. Mark, yeah. I think, uh, oh, from my side, at least I, I don't understand necessarily the backlash on TSM because at least the way I'm assuming it is probably they assume the roster is, you know, at the bottom of the league, which I think is a good assumption to make. And so I'm kind of assuming they're hoarding assets in the Challengers League to be able to make the proper moves in spring to hopefully propel the roster forward into summer, potentially. That's somewhat how I'm looking at it. So I, I don't even think they're looking at, you know, talent development. This is more so just hoarding assets, which is a, a different way to view the system. It's like a bench. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> the 10-man sure. roster strikes again. I mean, I kind of agree with that in the sense that, like, Solo, Boogie, and Neo with Sven, Hanser, and Turtle behind them could all possibly get moved around. And we know how much TSM likes changing their roster. So, <laughs> Very, very true. Very, uh, very true. Based. 
Uh, yeah, no, I just think the only thing, and just to finish up, is that, like, there have been, like, older players in the system. I mean, you can look at maybe, like, there are some people who are like, ah, oh, well, you know, someone like Shogo didn't get a spot, but yet Wild Turtle's back playing, you know, um, and that, you know, luckily, like, people like APA got in and Young got in from all those TLA ones. But that there are a few names that aren't in the Salt League currently on the franchise rosters second teams that like you're like oh, i wish i would have seen them but you know there's no more darshan in the salt league currently and hanser kind of takes like i guess the old man mantle from that i also like mark and andrew's points about like this is also probably a roster that can swap interchangeably between each other i think i i just think that the overall tsm academy like hate was incredibly overblown especially when you look at the entirety of all the new names <laughs> that have either been shuffled around or that have been um, put into the Salt League. So, I, yeah. I think it's really tough to have you know these kind of conversations at times because you don't necessarily know what you know TSM or any other organization is trying to utilize with their academy system. And so, you know, for me last year, it what my academy program was designed to make sure I can move JoJo up into 2022. And so each iteration of your academy should have different goals and functions. And it's really hard to, you know, talk about it when you just don't know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah and then, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like they didn't announce a coaching staff because they like let everybody go. Right. So like they don't have a coaching staff. And I think that might bode well for like the idea that this Maryville thing does get going through. And if there's any collegiate program that I want, like kind of doing this, uh, sort of undertaking, it would obviously be Maryville. Yeah. And it uh, conveniently saves TSM money. Yeah, which is, you know, kind of something that y'all were talking I'm about earlier. I'm ignoring the business component here entirely. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Sean, for the call. Anything you want to shout out before we say yeah. goodbye? Yeah, sure. Uh, shout out uh, all the sponsors of TGI Grubhub and Alienware. Also, um, still love... Uh, you know, you are rad as well. One of the former people who was on here to sponsor. Uh, shout out the NA Men podcast people. Uh, we know that Travis really loves to have all of them on his Twitter circles and stuff that he wants to keep them there forever. And shout out Andrew Barton, uh, meeting him in Clutch Gaming all those years ago. Miss Clutch Gaming. Very good. Thank you so much for the call. And we'll catch you next time. See ya. All right. Uh, so I, I had one more. It was going to be Ender, but then he left. And now no, he's, he's back, in the waiting so room. Yeah. All right. Let's see what this chuckle fuck wants. I didn't even check his mic. I hope it's working. <laughs> are, we, are we talking Valorant? Ender, welcome to the show. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from a bunker, undisclosed location. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. What are you doing there? Uh, I'm deciding what to do for 2023. Okay. Any leading candidates or ideas? Uh, nothing is off the table. Okay, you're desperate. Is anything on the table? Yeah, there's a lot of things on the table. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Uh, you're yeah. going to run TSM's uh, <laughs> academy team for the first split? Uh, no, I'm going to take the main team. Okay, okay. Very good. Yeah. Uh, Mark Z is actually my assistant coach. Oh, that's how I he's got, getting that's back how I into coaching. Call, I, I'm giving them the Delta Fox magic. When yeah. zero sixteen yes. or whatever we did, we're running it back again, baby. Uh, what What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, well, I want to bring to light a new tournament format discussion uh, to solve all of LCS's problems. Uh, because, like, first of all, how do you measure LCS's success? 
A, do they make good content? B, do they sign Faker? Or C, do they become a world champion? I lean towards C personally. Um, and now we all know that LCS has been modeling themselves on like traditional sports for a long time. Uh, but I don't think they've actually gone far enough. Um, I, and I think they need to model themselves off of the most successful sport in uh, North America, baseball. Right, and introduce their very own World Series where they can invite all of the best League of Legends teams from USA and Canada, making it a truly global event. Um, they can actually run it concurrently with Worlds. Um, and this way, and the kicker is, right, Worlds right now, it's only a BO5, which is just a full-on coin flip. Like, anyone can win on any given day, right? Like, DRX, they, they won Worlds. That's crazy, right? They beat Faker. That's just not possible. But this World Series would be a best-of-seven finals to truly decide who the best team in the world, USA and Canada, would now, be. Now, is it best-of-seven, or is wait, it, like, first-to-seven in best-of-fives, where it takes place over potentially seven nights? Uh, well, yeah, it would be it would be a seven night event, and actually, you would you would swap between the the two team stadiums. We're going to introduce stadiums as well. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, both the teams only have state uh, one stadium in Los Angeles that they share, though. So does that mean it's just all in Los Angeles, or are we pretending one of the teams is from a different place during that time? Uh, well, CLG has Madison Square Garden; they can just go there. And and Golden True. Guardians have uh, Chase the, Center. The Chase Center, yeah, yeah, solved. Dignitas has that uh, the New Jersey. Flyquest has a thing now too, right? Yeah, they have a uh, forest. Florida. Oh yeah, yeah. NHL. We can go back Somewhere to Florida. In Florida, right? Yes. Go back to the swamps. And EG has uh, the partnership with that random soccer team, right? Uh, yeah, but I think we're going to Europe for that. Yeah, yeah exactly. So T we have to go to Europe if TSM we're going to play in EGs. Can go to the uh, the islands. They can go to the Bahamas. Uh, oh, you went with that. I thought you were going to go with a McDonald's joke. They could go to the, like a McDonald's and play the there. Bahamas good. In the Bahamas. Yes. The uh, Cayman Islands. Damn. Oh, my bad. I, I forget. Mark. One That's of those good. offshore places. No, Bah. I think it is Bahamas is where, where FTX oh. is based out of. I'm sorry, Travis. I can't help but feel like you're not taking this suggestion very seriously. I'm taking it as seriously as I take every other call on Hotline League. <laughs> I can say Team Canada would win for sure. I'd bet on Team Canada. <laughs> I would bet on Team Canada pretty pretty quick over. Didn't they over win in, uh, the the Sound Blaster Cup in 2012? The last time we ever had something like this. I think they so did. Don't there forget was, the, the Civil War we did as is. well. We, we we did that LCS April Fools Civil War Day. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you, Ender, for the call. <laughs> Anything you want to shout out? Uh, maybe yeah. your employment. Link. Well, I want I want to shout out Valorant for just being an infinitely more fun game than League of Legends. Okay, and well that says a lot about Grubhub. what your plans are for. I want to shout out Grubhub, which is infinitely more enjoyable when you're playing Valorant and eating than when you're playing League of Legends and eating. Go Grubhub, go Valorant. Maybe Ender made the smart decision. He saw he foresaw the viewership dip in League, and is like, I'm just gonna get out. <laughs> Got it at the right time. All right, thank you so much, Ender. <laughs> We'll catch you next time. Bye. All right. That all is right. the show. Mark, what's up? Wait. Important question. Andrew, have you watched all of Rings of Power yet? No, I've never even heard of it. What the fuck? It's the most expensive TV show ever made. Oh, the Lord of the Rings? 
I yeah. it's on my it's on my to do list to watch. I want to watch it. Okay. Um, but I okay. thought I heard okay. it started off poorly. I mean, anyway, Mar- after after <laughs> after the show is done in two minutes, Mar- stay on stream. Whoever wants to stay on stream, and we will be talking. Mark and I will be having a quick conversation about Rings of Power. And if you're listening to this and you are actually are curious about our conversation about Rings of Power. Then you actually have to sub to go look at the VOD on Twitch. You should I'm not put it on Twitter it. after. You, you not, can clip it and put it on Twitter. No, Travis. it's got spoilers. I'm not. I'm not. I don't put spoilers on Twitter. Just put in the tweet that there's <laughs> spoilers in the video, and then people won't watch it if they don't want to. Yeah, it's a that's a good way to get my my Twitter account. Uh, you know, lose the algorithm because then people aren't watching. You know, it kills the. Oh watch my time. god, you fucking bum! You just don't want to do any work. I get it. You want subs for money because you don't care about your viewers. You want a paywall. You want to dono wall everyone's ass to watch a two-minute discussion where I eviscerate you. Anyways, let's say goodbye. Yesterday at on, at five o'clock, I messaged Mark and said, <laughs> "Should be Andrew Barton on Hotline League tomorrow to talk about what offseason was like this year." Then more than twenty-four hours later, Mark messages me and says, "Sounds like a banger. Maybe we keep it shorter today if it's dragging. Also, walk tomorrow and resin refresh." And when I didn't reply within a 45-minute period, he said, good talk sarcastically, despite the fact that it took him over a day to reply to the initial message. Then when I pointed it out, he tried to lecture me about how you should expect different things from different people in a relationship. And, yes, uh, that's just basic relationship. I said, hold on, I, I stroked his ego here. I said, I take a long time to respond, but I need instant responses. You, a more well-balanced human, can handle my temperamental nature. That's that's a good response in there. I agree with that. It's been many years of me a more well balanced human handling Mark's temperamental nature, and I'm gonna say I'm not that's sure. The point of a relationship. I'm not sure you don't, you don't how much longer I will be well balanced because I'm starting to become a little unbalanced. Let's let Andrew get out of here. I've been trying to let him do his shoutouts for like ten minutes now. So we can Andrew, talk power. you you were the one that derailed this. Andrew, you brought Facebook. What do you want to? What do you want to shout out? Uh, no, not too much. Shout out to EG. Uh, shout out to our off season. You know, really excited to get to work with FBI someday and Freeze going into next year. Kelsey as well, who's come back. Um, so no, I, I'm just looking forward to next year. You know, I think my expectations for us um, are going to be MSI and Worlds, and I hope to have FlyQuest and C9 be joining us. Um, Mark, what do you want to shout out? Uh, are we doing Resident Refresh tomorrow? We should do it. No, I've got stuff tomorrow. Wednesday or Thursday are kind of more open for me, though. Or he's not, not good for you either for a walk. I can do a walk tomorrow. Let's see Resident Refresh instead, then. No. <laughs> we don't do an hour-long <laughs> walk, you. Mark. I caught you, you little no, weasel. When we walk, when we walk, we walk for 25 minutes. <laughs> It'll be a 25-minute Resident Refresh. All right, no, uh, I don't have anything to shout out. Uh, probably going to do a bling game this week. Um, probably whatever. I thought you were definitely we didn't do it last week yeah who knows we'll see what we'll see if I find any energy tomorrow well instead of doing resin refresh do a blame game maybe <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that instead of the walk oh I see I see okay uh, everyone thank you so much for watching I did an interview with Brandon Sanderson which hit on my channel today it is we don't talk too much about his books and there's only spoilers at the very end and it is a very fun interview even if you don't I normally read it. his stuff uh drew who edited it for me has never read any brandon sanderson stuff 
and at the and told me he's like I really like that interview that was really fun and interesting we talk a lot about games we talk about arcane we talk about a lot of different stuff so please go watch it on my YouTube channel because uh, I feel bad if I interview him and nobody watches it uh, because I put it on my channel anyway thank you so much uh, we'll do Hotline League next week hope you all had a good time during the holidays and thanks to Andy for coming on bye. <laughs>